Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants, and how they found their own software success. And now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everyone. This is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break Software Podcast, where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixer and many more. This is a show where we talk to proven founders about their zero to 30,000 MRR journey and beyond, biggest challenges, building their software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io, which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house, develop your in-house development team, and you can trust your software as a service or mobile app to us, we'll give you the first 30 days at no risk. We guarantee being on time and on budget, or we'll finish the project at no extra cost. Contact us at onestop.io. Today, I have special guest Nina Cook. We will not be talking about software. We'll be talking about the entrepreneur's inner game. Nina is a business mindset coach helping entrepreneurs to release their deep inner blocks so that they can hit that sweet spot of continually growing their impact, income, and downtime. She hosts Entrepreneur's Inner Game podcast and has been featured in Forbes and on BBC Radio. How are you today, Nina? I'm great. Thank you, Jordi. Good. Lovely to have you. It's great to be here. Good, good. So I gave you a quick intro, but why don't you start by just telling us a bit about who you are? Well, I'm Nina. I live in England with my family, my four children and my dog. I have been working with entrepreneurs for the last seven years. And what fascinated me about entrepreneurs and the reason I started working with them in this capacity is I could see how we get in our own way and we trip ourselves up. And the only thing that can stop us from having all the success we want is our thinking. And this absolutely fascinated me. And I started working with them because I wanted to help them to make it easier for them to make them realize that actually it may not be the next strategy. It may not be the next coach that will give them their next big breakthrough until they work on themselves, until they get their thinking in the place where they create a mindset that is resilient, that's courageous, that is able to come out of his comfort zone and take risks and then be okay when things work out and also be okay when things don't work out. So really to build that resilience to be able to ride the roller coaster of being an entrepreneur. Right. Okay. Tell me about your background. I mean, what were you doing before you you decided to do this? Well, before I started to do this, I worked for Time Life Books for a number of years. Mm -hmm. They had an office in Bond Street in London, and I was a senior product manager. I looked after many libraries. You know, the turnover I I had for these libraries was, you know, seven-figure turnover. So I did that for a number of years, and then I left when I had my first child. Mm -hmm. After a few years, I started my own business from home. You know, the internet was there. I realized I could do something from home while bringing up a young family. I started a personal shopping business. Okay. And my personal shopping business grew very quickly, became a nationwide business because I didn't know what I didn't know. 
Yes. And therefore, I didn't have the restrictions in my mind about how big it could be. And if someone said, well, can you do a job for me in Manchester? I'd think, well, I don't have a team in Manchester. I've only got a team in London. But I'd say yes, then I'd figure out how to do it. Yeah. And along the way, I picked up some great corporate clients. I worked with Goldman Sachs. I worked with Sky. I worked with Ernst & Young. However, although it was a good business, it was giving me a really good income. I had a good team nationwide. It wasn't giving me the satisfaction that I wanted. And I grew bored after a number of years. Okay. And also, you know, you've got children. And when you look at the young children, they have such a lovely natural self-confidence. And I'd look at my children, I think, I want some of that. Because I grew up feeling very unconfident. I didn't have any self-belief, never liked myself. And I had that syndrome of, I'm not good enough. There's something wrong with me. I need to hide from the world in case they see these big flaws inside of me. Mm -hmm. So I stayed under the radar. And I always wore lots of masks. So depending on who I was talking to, I'd be wearing one mask or another mask and always trying to make them like me Mm -hmm. and thinking, what can I say that will make them feel good towards me? So I never felt authentic. And I realized that having children, I wanted to be an authentic role model for them. And I realized I'd have to sort myself out and get my flaws dealt with because that's how I thought about it at the time. I needed to be fixed. There was something that I was lacking that other people had. And I started a long journey of personal development, which was hugely enjoyable. But a lot of the methods I came across, they didn't give me permanent results. They'd be temporary results. I'd feel better maybe for a few days, then I'd go back to feeling how I was before, a sense of unworthiness, not deserving. Mm -hmm. And by accident, I received an email from a friend. and She said, you're into limiting beliefs. You might find this interesting. And I followed this email to a guy called Morty Lefko, who sadly passed away a few years ago. And I had the privilege of working with Morty and training with him. And the first thing he said to me was, the only reason you feel like this about yourself is because you believe your limiting beliefs. And by then, I was quite skeptical of that because I thought nothing's going to work for you. I'm a a really tough case. Mm -hmm. And I started working with him around my limiting beliefs. And it wasn't something that suddenly made me think, oh, my word, I'm looking at the world differently. It was more subtle than that. And I started doing things which I would never have done before because I would have had so much resistance to them. So, for example, I started putting out videos, which I would never have done before because I'd be thinking, well, who am I to put out videos? No one's going to be interested in me. What if I don't look good on the video? What if I say the wrong thing and all of this stuff? And I started putting out videos. Sorry, can I just interject? What business is this for? Was it for your e-commerce business? Yes, so this okay. is for my personal shopping. Okay. And then I started transferring this to working with entrepreneurs because I realized that what I discovered for myself, that I built this sense of self-confidence and I started taking action in a much bigger way without fear that this would be something which would be hugely valuable to entrepreneurs who hesitate out of fear, who procrastinate on doing those things that they know that if they did them would lead to more clients and bigger sales and closing bigger deals. And so I'd found something that worked for me and I started working with entrepreneurs to help them to achieve the same. So What I do is intangible, but it also has to be tangible as well. It has to give practical results. Mm -hmm. So it has to increase impact. It has to increase income. It has to make life easier. It has to free up thinking to make better decisions and become better problem solvers. And so these are the practical things. 
But the intangibles for me are much more important. That sense of well-being, that sense of whatever comes up, I can deal with it. That sense of not getting caught up in our thinking to the extent that we don't do what we know that we need to do. Okay. This sounds very interesting. So it just to recap what you said, you basically, you had your own business, personal shopping, and it was becoming successful. You were bored, but you started to work with this, this coach, Marty, is it Morty? Morty. Okay. Yes. Morty. Okay. And were you becoming like his sort of protege or were you just using him, just using no, no. his services? Yes, I did lots of training with him and I'm still training today. I keep training because I want to find it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And what he showed me is that there was nothing in the outside world that was causing my thinking, my lack of worthiness thinking. It was all coming from within me. It was all something that I was making up and buying into and believing. And so to take this a step further, we have lots of thoughts. Obviously, we're thinking all the time and we all have limiting beliefs unless we're enlightened beings. We're having limiting beliefs and we do get trapped into believing they're true. And so what I've found is the key is to realize we are not our thinking. So we identify, we have all these stories. So I would have told you the story about my childhood. My story about my childhood is I grew up, my my parents are Indian. They came over to England in the early 60s. I was born in London. And then they sent me back to India to live with my extended family, my mum's extended family, and my mum and dad and my brother and sister stayed in England. Uh And then I came back into the family when I was five, and I didn't have a happy childhood with them. So that's my story. Mm -hmm. So I could say, well, it's because of my parents that I lack confidence, and they never told me they loved me, and therefore I feel unlovable because they never told me this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And I realized, actually, if I held on to these stories, they would keep me in a very unhappy place by blaming someone else. Mm -hmm. And so to take full responsibility for my thinking meant that I could make those changes myself without relying on someone else making me feel better or validating me or making me feel worthy. Because the truth is no one's ever going to do that for us. That's right. Because people are busy with their own thinking and they're caught up in their own thinking and about themselves. So, you know, you hear about people saying, well, I married this wonderful person and I became really happy. Well, that person cannot make them happy. They had happy feelings and thinking about this other person. So when we bring it back into ourselves and say, I'm the only person responsible for changing how I think and therefore how I feel and the actions I take in my life, that was a really empowering moment for me because I thought, okay, I'm going to make lots of mistakes along the way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fall down rabbit holes where I get caught up in my thinking. But ultimately, it's all about me and it's I'm the only one who, if I can create this thinking, I can uncreate it as well. And I can create new thinking. So it's really this concept of I'm not my thoughts. Okay, if I'm not my thoughts, then what am I? Well, I'm that essence that is making up these thoughts. And that automatically puts me on a much higher level than my thinking. Mm -hmm. So then if I'm the creator of my thoughts, if I'm that space that creates the thoughts, then I am the creator of my life because my thinking is creating my reality. And it just blows my mind when there are over 7 billion unique thinkers in the world. There are over 7 billion unique perceptions of the world. So no wonder we disagree with each other and we try and convince other people that you're wrong and I'm right. That's nonsense. Right. Because in their mind, they're right. That's right. 
And that's why we've got so many problems in this world. So if we can just think, okay, everyone is entitled to their opinion because everyone is a unique thinker. This is our gift. This is our magic wand in life. Mm -hmm. So why would we use that magic wand against ourselves? Why not use it for ourselves? Mm -hmm. So this is the journey that I'm on. And this is why I try and show my clients that you are so much more powerful than you believe. Mm -hmm. But we have to step away from those stories. And that can be difficult because we let ourselves off the hook so many times. Well, I'm not going to um, do that launch or I'm not going to reach out to that higher level prospect because they're not going to be interested in me. I'm just a service provider. They can go to a bigger company with a bigger team. I'm not on their level. So we can make so many excuses and justify why we don't do something to ourselves. And we can let ourselves off the hook very, very easily. Is that serving us? Is that serving that prospect who, if they go to someone else, they may end up paying more than they need to, or they may not get such a good service or get such a good result from them. So actually, it's our responsibility to go to those prospects and show them that by working with us, they're going to get a really great service, great value service, and they're going to get great results. So by holding ourselves back, we actually stop putting out what others need. We don't show them what they need. We stay invisible. We stay hidden. So these are just some examples of stories that we make up and that we buy into. And it is uncomfortable to ask ourselves the deeper questions. Well, why am I making up this story? What's actually behind this? What's underneath that? And what's underneath those stories is our identity, our self-esteem and what we believe we truly are. So, you know, before, if you cut me in half, you would have seen written in me, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Because I so bought into that. That was so much my identity. I'm not good enough. You're not going to be interested in me. I've got nothing to say. Therefore, I'll stay hidden in the background. And if I get noticed, that feels dangerous to me. And when I found what was lying beneath that, which are our limiting beliefs, which are our subconscious, and we're not even aware of them most of the time, and when you can bring those out and deal with them, then you start thinking and feeling and behaving from a completely different place and it's very freeing i imagine so is this really morty that was the one that was able to give you this uh, sort of breakthrough would you call it that as a breakthrough he helped me hugely and the trainings helped me but i do lots of other reading geordie i read a lot of stuff around um spirituality. I like tangible things that work. I'm not really into, you know, woo-woo things, if you like. I'm a very practical person. Mm -hmm. And I like to be able to look at something and think, okay, um, am I at the place where I can absorb this? Or is this not really resonating with me? If it resonates with me, then I will find a practical way of bringing it into my life and into my client's life. So we get results from it. Okay. What's an example then of a, of a tangible a framework that you use or how are you receiving tangible results? Uh, let's start with yourself. Well, for me, let's say I, my challenge was it's scary to be visible because mm-hmm. if I'm visible, then people will criticize me, they'll judge me. And I didn't want that because I just felt too uncomfortable for me. So let's say that's the tabletop. The challenge is the tabletop. Okay. And then you've got the table legs underneath the tabletop. And those table legs are each limiting beliefs, which keep that challenge in place. So it's only when you start identifying the table legs and then dissolving them that that tabletop will collapse Mm -hmm. and the challenge will go. So my fear, my tabletop was it's um, 
I'm not going to put my message out there. So the table leg was, it's scary to be visible. Mm-hmm. That's all my limiting beliefs. If I'm visible, I'll be attacked. Yeah. Rejection is scary. People aren't interested in what I have to say. I'm boring. Mm-hmm. I have no value. So when all of these table legs are identified, and then I would take, I took myself, because I can do a lot of this work myself now, and I would take my client. We will identify the limiting belief, for example, it's scary to be visible. And then I will take them through a process, and it's a very, very logical process to dissolve that, to show that that belief is a lie. At the beginning, I'll ask that client to rate that belief out of 10. The more they agree with it, the higher the number. And then when we've gone through the process to dissolve that, and they can see it was a lie, it was never true about them, and they've put a new empowering belief in that space, then I'll ask them to rate that belief again. And when that belief goes down to, say, a two or below, Mm-hmm. then it's dissolved. It's gone permanently. Because once you can expose something to be a lie, it can never be the truth again. Now, that challenge may still be in place because the other table legs still need to be taken out. Or sometimes you find a central limiting belief that's dissolved and then the other table legs just collapse like dominoes. Okay. Everyone's different. Okay. Is it therapy then? Because, I mean, some people might say, well, it sounds like therapy. Are you qualified to give therapy? Or do you consider it's not therapy? We're really working within a framework to attack limiting beliefs? or, or Yes. Okay, yes. that's what it is. I, so- I don't believe it's therapy. I cut it's a very tangible, processed way mm-hmm. to remove inner blocks, create new empowering thinking about who we are, and what we're able to do. And this applies just the same to money blocks as well. So there's self-esteem blocks, there's money blocks. Anything that can stop an entrepreneur from reaching out to the bigger players in their market, closing bigger deals, and serving at a higher level. So I like to work from the end result with my clients. What are your goals? What's Mm -hmm. your vision? And then we work back from the goals. Now, I was... um, talking to someone and he told me about a podcast that he'd heard and he cannot find it. I really hope that he can find it and send it to me. So this eminent psychologist, he was doing a talk and one of the questions at the end was, was there something that you thought would be proved? Something that you wanted to prove and you got the result that you weren't expecting. And he said that they did an experiment with people's goals to try and figure out the best way for people to reach their goals. And they tried lots of different methods in this experiment. And the method that won, the surest way to get to our goals is not to create a step-by-step way to get to the goals, you know, the steps, the actions you need to take, but is to identify all the blocks that can stop you getting to your goals, remove those blocks that can stop you getting to your goals, and then you're more likely to get to those goals more quickly. Okay. So his first step was to identify the blocks, not to identify the steps. Okay. Now, this is very much my thinking, and it's been proven time and time again, because I work with entrepreneurs who are so good at what they do. They have the right strategy, but they're just not doing it. So, for example, I'm working with a client at the moment who he's an investment banker, and he wants to reach out to bigger companies to do deals with them. Mm -hmm. And he's been hesitating for so long. 
And the reason he's been hesitating is because he's got all these limiting beliefs. Well, they're better educated than me. They know more than me. They're not going to be interested in me. And just after three sessions, he is reaching out to them. And he doesn't care how successful they are. He doesn't care how well-educated they are because he knows that the value he can bring to them is so huge that he's setting up meetings. He's inviting them onto their podcast. All that fear has gone for him. And he knows that by setting up these meetings, it's going to inevitably lead to a number of deals, which is inevitably going to give him the seven-figure income he wants this year. Mm -hmm. So this is how I wanted to be practical, but also he's now brimming with Mm self-confidence. Just in three sessions. How long are the sessions generally? Are they about an hour or so? Yes. So we have 75-minute sessions and I work with my clients for a year. Okay. Because they have big goals. They have big, exciting goals. Yes. And this takes time. Now, it may be that, you know, you get a eureka after the first session. Then, well, actually, I'm buying into this thinking and none of this thinking is true about me. And if that takes hold permanently, you're not going to have any issues about limiting beliefs. But for most mortals like us, it takes time and it takes repetition. And really getting that we are not our thinking, we are the creators of our thinking. And that means we're very powerful and we can create with intention rather than being at the default end of responding in a way we don't want to respond, which isn't productive for us, which puts us in a complete tizzy and means that we can't make good decisions. But when we have that clarity of thinking, when we're not tied in with our thinking, when we can take a step back and look at the big picture, then suddenly we become much more creative Mm -hmm. and we become much clearer about what's going on. And then we can start deliberately choosing our response. Right. Okay. Um, Just as an example, the concept is a bit fuzzy for me. You mentioned something that I actually do have a limiting belief about. I'll give you an example. Um, I have a friend. He's quite successful and he's started to post like videos, you say, like walking around and he's talking about whatever he's talking about. Some, you know, they're quite clever ideas. Generally, they're like five minute videos and he posts them on Facebook and, you know, he gets like whatever, 300 comments or something like that. And I would be myself saying I could never do that because, you know, first of all, I have some ideas, but I couldn't handle the people coming in and disagreeing and all, you know, sort of the, I guess what you call haters, right? And so, and he gets them too. He's a really, he's a great guy. He's one of my favorite people, but he definitely gets them. And I ask him, I said, how do you deal with that? It's like, it's like, it's nothing. I, I, I feed off of these guys, you know, the guys coming in and saying you're wrong or you're an idiot or something. How would you break through? And it's probably easy for you because everyone or a lot of people would have something like that, right? Yeah. How would you, let's go about breaking through that for me. Okay, perfect. So let's um, use the table analogy. So your tabletop challenge is that you're not putting out videos. Right. That's what's happening. Now, the table legs of that, the limiting beliefs, let's find some of the limiting beliefs. Okay. What are you making up? What meaning are you making up about putting out videos out there? How do you mean what meaning? So you see, the event is, it's very clear is for you to put a video up. Mm-hmm. So that's the neutral event, the neutral action, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then what you're doing, which we all do, is we add something to that neutral action. We add a meaning. Well, if I put up a video, that would mean that. So what would it mean? That people would criticize you? Well, what's the meanings you're making up if you were to put up a video? So I guess in that context, I would 
first of all, probably think like, well, I would think the same thing. Like, is this, is anyone going to be interested in this? You know, that would be one thing. And I would keep them short. And generally the, the proof that I have in that is that the times that I have done it, there's no views, you know, I don't know how to market it, you know, those sorts of things. Okay. So what does that mean about you then? If no one, if, you know, people would be interested in it, then what does that mean about you? So that would mean that maybe I don't think that I have anything important enough to say. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else that pops into your head around that? And then uh, the haters coming in saying this is uh, wrong or, you know, what you're saying is not correct, you know, things like that. And what would that mean about you if they were to say that? Well, generally, I would think that I probably wouldn't care, but I certainly wouldn't like it if there was a lot of it, you know? You know, if there was more, you know, bad than positive. Yeah. Um, and why wouldn't you like it? What is there about you? What might people see about you that you want to keep hidden, maybe? Uh, then I would probably say that there's, I, you know, I guess, um, conflict, problems with conflict, which I know that I, you know, I generally do tend to yeah. shy away from conflict. So maybe confrontation is scary. Yes, confrontation, yeah. Okay. And I'm wondering, and I don't want to put any words into your mouth, is there anything about rejection? Not that I know. I mean, not that I can think of. Um, okay. So we found a couple of, and obviously if we were doing this as client, and if you were my client, we'd be spending a lot more time finding right, right. all the table um, yeah. legs. But I know that we have a limited amount of time. So we've got a couple of beliefs here. And you can see when you start digging deeper, so you said, it, um, I don't know if anyone's going to be interested. And then I don't know if people aren't interested in what I have to say. Mm -hmm. So you can find the limiting beliefs that you have a belief that people aren't interested in what I have to say. Mm -hmm. So I would ask you to rate that out of 10. And if it was a high number out of 10 to say it was a 7, 8, 9, or a 10, then we would go through the process to show you that that's actually just something that you've made up in your head. Okay. It's not really, it's not true because you can't tell me with a hundred percent certainty that that's true. Can you? That's true. Yeah. No, I can't prove it. That's so right. So you're making up and can you see how that is a barrier? Yeah. That you have created a point of resistance to creating the videos. Mm -hmm. That's something you don't know is a hundred percent true, but that you bought into. Because if okay. you gave a high number out of 10, you've really bought into that. Now, this guy's putting out the videos, doesn't have those, doesn't have, he'll have his own limiting beliefs, but he doesn't have limiting beliefs around videos. Video, yeah. And I bet they're helping his business. Yes, they are, for sure. So the only thing stopping you from doing the videos is nothing happening in the outside world, it's just your limiting thinking about it. That's true, yeah. So isn't it interesting yeah. how we can let these things stop us, something we're just fabricating out of thin air? And also you have a limiting belief confrontation is scary. But mm -hmm. what you're doing here is you're making up a whole load of stuff. You are assuming in mind reading how people are going to respond to a video you haven't even put out yet. Yes, it's so true. So you can see how we build this story out into the future. Well, if I did this, they would do that, and that would happen, and that would happen. Oh, no, it's too scary. I won't do it. But then we look longingly at other people who are doing what we want to do and think, oh, how are they doing that? How are they getting past that hate of it? Yeah. Because to them, it's not a belief this guy's thriving on it. That's right, yeah. Because he's not taking it personally. That's right. And this is one of the biggest lessons I learned, that when I stopped taking things personally, that I, was, I became much braver. I became much braver in my reaching out to people because I thought, well, if someone says no to me, it's okay. They're not saying no to me in the essence of who I am. They're just saying no to my request. 
And the request mm-hmm. is just, I can separate myself from my request so it doesn't hurt me. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes more fun. So I've reached out to people, you know, for my podcast, you know, really well-known people. And I fall off my chair when someone says, okay. And I think, wow. And my yeah. mantra is, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's because right. I don't take things personally now. And if someone says, oh, can I give you some feedback? Would you be okay? I say, yes, please. Give mm-hmm. me the feedback. because it's- Feedback's really important. That is is. something I am that I do uh, value is feedback. But if someone comments on your video, it's feedback. That's true. And remember, they're just saying it from their own unique thinking. Mm -hmm. But it's how you respond to it that's important, not what they're saying. So all of this stuff I find so fascinating because we can just knock down those walls of resistance and start doing things which could grow our business exponentially and which we would really enjoy doing as well, but we're holding back on them. That's right. Do you still work through these for yourself? Do you do it yourself or do you have to do it with someone else? I do a lot of my own limiting beliefs myself. So, for example, a few weeks ago, I realized I had money blocks. And mm-hmm. so I released four limiting beliefs. And the next day, I booked a really high paying client. Now, you could say, well, that's just coincidence, but I don't believe it is. I believe I cleared the way. Because for us to achieve our goals, whether they're financial, relationship, lifestyle, whatever it is, for us to achieve our goals, we have to have the beliefs that allow those goals to come into our lives. Otherwise, if we're putting up resistant, limiting beliefs in the way Mm -hmm. we're blocking our goals, we're making it so much harder because we feel we don't deserve them on some level. We're not worthy of them. We're not good enough for them. And so when I cleared out my money blocks that day, I did some intensive work, it did free up my thinking to be able to accept more in. Mm-hmm. And every time I clear out limiting belief for myself and my clients, we put a new empowering belief in place. So it absolutely does work, but it works at different speeds for different people because everyone's an individual and it works at different levels for everyone because everyone's got unique thinking. But that's the beauty of this work because it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a journey about business, it's a journey about life and how you're showing up in life. For the most part, your clients come to you about business goals, though. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's what you they mostly They come to work. me about business goals. But I also have worked with a few clients around relationship issues as well. Right. Because it all feeds one into the other. If they feel like they're not being supported by their partner, it impacts their business. Of course. Or if they're not happy in their relationship. So everything feeds into everything else. But the majority of the time, I'm working on business goals. Is there an overriding uh, sort of philosophy that you're taking a lot of this from? Is there any texts or books that you really have learned from and grown from that you sort of follow those guidelines? Or or can you give me some examples of some of your biggest influences? Yes, absolutely. And that's a great question. At the moment, I'm listening to a lot of videos from Eckhart Tolle. Okay. And he, his main... Is that the secret? No, that is um, The Power of Now. Okay, yes, that's right. And yep, I I've think read it's it. The New Earth as well. Yeah. And I haven't read his books, but I'm listening to a lot of his videos and trainings. And he's got a very simple message. Be in the now. Okay. Be in the now, because this is all we have. This is our most precious... This is all we have. Because if you think about it logically, we don't have the future and we don't have the past. We only have this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's the quality of this moment. So instead of rushing into the next thing and think, well, you know, once I get off this podcast, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. It's enjoying the moment. And he gives a lovely example. You're going to a chair. You're going to sit in a chair. 
and you think, well, the end result is I sit in the chair. That's the bit I enjoy when I'm sitting in the chair. But we can equally enjoy the walk to the chair. Mm-hmm. why dismiss that bit? Because that is the moment that you're in as you're walking to the chair and treasure that as much as the point when you sit in the chair. So it's treasuring the moment and knowing that this is actually all we have. Mm-hmm. We have nothing else in this world. And so the quality of that moment, is it a moment of silence? Is it a quality thought that we can bring into this moment? And so he, I love the simplicity of his work. And he actually says the same thing the same message, but he says it in so many different ways. Oh, really? Yeah. He can say it in an hour and a half, but it's actually the one simple message. And also that we're not our thoughts, that, you know, it's to become the observer of our thoughts. And as the observer of our thoughts, we have so much more we can bring into this moment as the observer of our thoughts, rather than being at the helpless mercy of our thoughts, that we feel we're backed into a corner and actually we don't have choices. I'm really enjoying listening to him. Sydney Banks is, um, he passed away, I think around 10, 11, 12 years ago. And he, um, he had a moment of enlightenment as well. And he has um, something called three principles, okay. which he taught. And that's, I think everyone is talking about the same thing. You're not your But they thoughts. just, we're You're, not our thoughts, yeah. we are consciousness. Mm-hmm. But they just have different ways of explaining it. And it's whichever way resonates with you. Do you start your day off with one of Eckhart's uh, videos, for example? Like, how long are these videos? Does he have short ones? Like, if somebody wanted to say, okay, today I'm going to make it a new habit, I'm going to start off with 15 minutes of Eckhart. Yes, that's a great question. I I have a daily mindset practice. So in the morning, I listen to either Eckhart Tolle or someone else who I'm finding interesting at that time. I journal. So I write down my goals. There is, There have been studies and tests to show if you write something down you're more likely to achieve it i think one study said you're 47 percent more likely to achieve something if you write it down okay i have a vision board and my vision board consists of some a4 sheets of paper Mm -hmm. stapled together and i've cut things out so one is all about financial abundance one is about holidays one is about you know family time so lots of different things on my vision board the type of clients i love to work with and I also, I do one other thing. Oh, yes, I do a short visualization, four minutes long, and I pick one thing. Rather than making putting lots of things into my visualization, I pick one thing. So it could be a holiday or, um, you know, a particular client I'd love to work with, and I just do a short visualization about them. But really getting into the emotion, even as I'm writing, getting into the emotion, rather than just doing it, I think, well, I need to do that today. But enjoying it and slipping into mm-hmm. it and really being in there. Okay. And how long does this take? This is the first thing you do, aside from, you know, like dropping the kids off, you know, doing all that sort of thing. When you sit down to do your work, this is sort of your ritual, eh? Yes. So I get up, you know, go to the bathroom, et cetera, get myself a hot drink. My kids are too old now. They've, I don't need to drop them from school anymore. My youngest is 18. So then I have that time, got quiet time to myself. And that's when I do my daily mindset practice. I don't do it every single day. I don't do it at the weekends. And sometimes um, I'll miss a few days and I think I'm not feeling as good. And I know that because I've slipped out of that and then I get back into it again. And if I get bored with that, then I'll do something else. I'll find something else to mix into the pot. Or I'll just say, okay, I'm just going to do a visualization today. That's all I've got time for. But I can listen to an inspirational person as I'm going around the house because I've got my phone. I can, you know, on YouTube. So I don't have to just restrict it to that time. 
I could do it when I'm doing exercise or, you know, when I'm walking the dog. So it's not thinking, well, I need to have half an hour every morning to do this. We can find little pockets of time during the day. We can find five minutes. We can find a minute just to get in touch, just to be in the present moment. And the way that I get into the present moment is I I say to myself, all I'm doing right now is, all I'm doing right now is walking down the stairs. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm doing right now. And that helps me just to focus on what I'm doing right now. Eckhart Tolle says this, and this is a really good little tip. When you're focusing on the moment, it's easy for the thoughts to come crowding in. Mm -hmm. So it's being alert. Mm -hmm while you're focusing on the moment rather than letting your mind slip away and the thoughts come crowding in. So it's being alert. So I just say to myself, all I'm doing right now is walking down the stairs. All I'm doing right now is walking into the kitchen. All I'm doing right now is getting a mug. All I'm doing right now is getting my tea bag mm-hmm. and I'm pouring hot water in. And I can keep that going for a minute or two. And I've given my mind a holiday. Mm-hmm. Even That's if it's true, 10 yeah. seconds and we can all find those little pockets of time in the day. Okay. All right. That makes sense. I'm going to try doing that. I like that. Especially I'll have to start listening to some short Eckhart Tolle. I'm sure he's got some 15 minute videos. Oh yes. He does 15 minute videos. Yeah, Experimenting in the morning with it. I love it. If you could, after the show, give me some examples and I'll drop them in when we do the show. We're getting close to the end of our time. What are some things that you could leave our listeners with who want to start this journey or maybe the best ways for them to work on their limiting beliefs will, of course, give them the option to contact you. But if they want to start working on their own limiting beliefs, give us some advice there. Well, I've got a free gift that I've put together. It's brand new and it's the Millionaire Mindset Scorecard. It's a very, very practical gift because what it does, it helps you to rate your highest blocks your highest limiting beliefs your most Mm -hmm. powerful limiting beliefs your strongest ones on this scorecard so you rate them out of 10 Mm, and then you can start seeing where your blind spots are it brings it into your awareness and awareness is always the first step so this is a very practical tool for you to see well why aren't i getting the success that i want oh it's because i've got all these blocks and so there's help on the scorecard on there and it also shows you how to take the next step to dissolving those blocks. Okay. So this is something those which is legs. a very practical tool. Okay, very good. Okay, well, thank you so much, Nina, for your time. I enjoyed speaking about this. It's a topic that we don't cover on the show very often, so I'm excited that we were able to talk about this. Lovely. It's been really fun. Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner.